Welcome to the Lose Weight, Live Life podcast. If you're someone who would do anything to lose weight, yet finds it impossible to stick to a diet, to eat less, or just what you think you should, this podcast is for you. I am your host, certified life and weight mindset coach, Claire McKenzie. Listen in to learn how to stop overeating, lose weight for the last time, and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love, all without diet deprivation and self-sabotage. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this podcast episode, which I'm very much looking forward to recording and then sharing with you. And today I'm having a conversation with Ruth Kudzi. And Ruth is a master certified coach and mentor who has trained thousands of coaches through Business Optimus Coach Academy, in addition to running her own coaching and mentoring business. Ruth is also a best selling author and podcaster with a special interest in positive psychology and neuroscience. And she's written her second book called How to Feel Better, Self-Coach Your Way to a Happier and More Authentic You. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I also just wanted to share that I personally worked with Ruth a couple of years ago, back in 2020 and 2021, and Ruth coached and supported me as I was building my business. And I just loved working with her, and I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to do that. So I know firsthand um, how great she is, and I'm truly excited that through her upcoming book, How to Feel Better, Ruth is sharing her coaching skills and insights so that more people can understand how to feel better and create a life they love. So thank you so much for being here, Ruth. It's lovely to talk to you again. I know. I can't believe, gosh, I can't believe, well, we were just chatting <laughs> how long ago was that we worked together. I know. I know. Flies, doesn't it? It yes. really does. It has. No, it's, um, yeah, certainly flown by. But I'd love to hear more about your book and telling us why you decided to write it and everything oh my gosh I decided to write it about five years ago so I wrote my first book I think it was released in 2018 so I wrote it in 2017 so yeah five years ago and then I was like really thinking about a second book and I I, it must have been 2019 that I made a decision to write my second book and I wanted it to be much more around coaching and self-coaching And really to kind of bring a lot of my experience in because I've been studying psychology now for 28 years, which is quite scary, like a whole person's, a whole person, a whole person's life. But I'd say that it was, in a way, it was the easiest book to write and the hardest book because I think over that time, obviously we went through the pandemic, my training business really took off. I kind of, and then I was like, you know, how do I make something that's really meaningful for people? And that links into what I do day to day. So it was quite, do, do you have video? If you have video, they, yeah, there's a video. So there it is. And it's going to be out on the 25th of May. So what I wanted to do is really have a kind of framework. And I use that word loosely because I always think hold frameworks loosely a framework that people could go through to self-coach. So the framework's really, really simple. It's really, let's look at where you are now. Let's assess that. Let's understand what's going on. Let's look at where you want to be. Let's think about how you can get there. And then let's work through like those kind of, those things that may stop us so we can integrate and embed the change. So it's very much like many other coaching models, but I do start, and I think this is quite interesting with self-coaching. I don't start with the goal. I start with where you are. It's much easier as a coach to support somebody to get clear on their goal or if someone's come to coaching. But often when you're speaking to people generally, 
they need to do that exploratory work before they can be really clear on actually where do I want to go yes and it's I think for some people maybe they're aware that they're not happy or they're not living the life that they want but they don't actually know what what it would look like to feel better or what it would be like to feel better so that sort of like fits with that yeah because many of us just I mean we were just saying about how quickly time goes I've been in relationships and workplaces where it seems like I've kind of blinked and it's been a year later. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not sure this is right for me. And I think that we can definitely go through that. There's a lady I used to work with actually years and years ago, probably about 15, 20 years ago, once said to me, I asked her how she was and she went, Ruth, I just feel like I'm going through the motion. She said, I don't feel great. I don't feel bad. And she said, whatever you do, don't get to be like me. Now, obviously, I did get to be like her, but that's kind of, she's like been my inspiration for many things. It's so easy for all of us, coaches, mentors, therapists, whoever we are, to get stuck in the day-to-day and not come out and go, actually, what do I like about what's going on now? What don't I like? And where do I really want to be? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, I can relate to that, I think, in terms of sort of like, you know, starting with building a business. And also, I think when you are a coach as well, sometimes it's almost like you feel you shouldn't feel the way that you do because you've got the skills to sort of move yourself oh, yeah. out of it. And so mm-hmm. you can sort of end up, I think, being a little bit even more judgmental of yourself for that. But of course, exactly. The yeah, same. because we know the skills intellectually doesn't mean that we don't still find ourselves in those positions where it's like, OK, well, maybe I started doing this because I want more freedom or more time or flexibility and actually how did I get to be in this place where I've got even less so can you tell me a little bit who your book is for so I'd say I would imagine that most people who read this book are going to be professional women 35 to 55 Mm -hmm. so it's that kind of traditionally we used to call it like midlife crisis didn't we but I think it's that age where either you might have made the decision or had the decision made for you that maybe you're not going to have children or you've got children depending on when you started they might be young which is a whole identity shift or they might be older and then you've got that kind of empty nest what's going to happen next and then we're having a lot of hormonal changes aren't we at this time as well so I think there's lots and lots of things that go on at that time that get people to question actually Am I living the life that I want to live? Yeah. Because I think the 20s, although I know that younger people do have um, quarter life crises and things now, but generally in your 20s, you're much more about, okay, let's have fun. Maybe let's build my, let's go on great holidays. Maybe let's build my career. But then it's when you're getting to the older stage, a lot of your big life decisions have been made or Mm -hmm. made for you you know, that you might feel. So then there's a lot more around, okay, well, you know, I've got, we've got now what, 30, 40, 50 more years of our lives. And if we felt like we've just been going through the motions so far, how can we make this different? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think a lot of the women I work with, I mean, are in either that sort of perimenopausal or postmenopausal stage. And that sort of, as you say, is impacting everything. And also, if women have got children, often similar age to mine, where they are either very sort of more independent, yes, or they are about to leave home. And as you say, it's like all of a sudden it feels like there's no, there's less structure to life. Yeah, maybe you get to this stage, and that structure you kind of maybe when you were in it didn't thought you didn't like it, but then when it's gone, actually 
it's like, okay, I'm not sure I like this either. And all of a sudden, of course, what we do then is we notice the things that we maybe didn't appreciate at the time when we had them. Anyway, so it's all, so I think, yeah, as you say, so we're sort of looking at life, we may be aware that maybe we feel a little bit unsettled Mm. or, you know, wondering if there's more and wondering, maybe wondering why we feel the way that we feel. I'm not sure. So where do you start? Yeah. Yeah. And we explore in the book, we explore like emotions, we explore thoughts, we explore that link, we explore like looking at your body's intelligence as well. And actually letting go of some of the guilt that we carry. So you said, you know, about coaches, like as coaches, we should, you know, and I've said it to myself as well. I'm a coach. I shouldn't be feeling like this. Like, you know, I've got all the skills. I've done all this training. I work with other people. And we can sometimes get stuck in that guilt of, you know, oh my gosh, when we're feeling like this, or we didn't make that decision, or we just get guilty about not feeling great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it's, there's loads of reasons behind it. You know, it is, it's about how your brain works. So we're going to understand a lot more about how your brain works and how sometimes your brain isn't, you know, your brain's trying to keep you safe, but that maybe isn't, it isn't what you need and it doesn't help your thinking. So there's going to be lots of kind of stuff where you can explore a bit more about you and those dimensions of you. So you can start to understand yourself a bit better and also hopefully be a bit more compassionate towards yourself because most people that I meet and talk to and work with are not that nice to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, everything that you're talking about fits really well with a lot of the women who listen to this podcast who maybe are not happy with the weight that they are. Mm. And you know, one of the things I, you know, we sort of always talk about and say is, you know, great to have, you know, you really want to shift from that self-judgment that you might be feeling about finding yourself where you are or being unhappy with the weight that you are and shift into like curiosity and also the compassion. And that self-compassion piece, I think is so huge. It makes oh. such a difference. I mean, I saw someone yesterday, actually, it's somebody that we both know, she posted on social media, and she was saying, you know, about having a summer body, and actually how last year on a really hot day, she nearly avoided going onto the beach, because Mm -hmm. she was feeling that other people would judge her wearing a swimming suit. And it's so funny, because we feel this, but actually, when we, if we do put ourselves in somebody else's shoes, I've never judged anyone about what they look like in a swimsuit, it doesn't matter. however it feels so real to us doesn't it and I'm sure that lots of your the people that you work with will will have made those decisions not to do things because of those feelings they have about themselves so yeah anything that is about self-compassion is a good thing yeah definitely and there's something else of course my brain's just like the whole uh, post-menopausal thing now (laughs) I was gonna say and it's just escaped me but that is like you know what the reality of where we are and there's something I was gonna say that's I want to talk about the fact that you, the ability to coach yourself mm. as opposed to, so I think that oftentimes we're looking, you know, whether it's through looking through very self-help books, looking for the next diet, whatever it might be, it's almost like we think the answer or the solution is out there. And yeah. I think that coaching probably through self-coaching helps you know what to do in terms of maybe looking a little bit more within yourself yeah. and starting there. Do you want to sort of tell me a little bit about your sort of perspective on self-coaching? Definitely. So I think that we can all, and I self-coach every single day, multiple times a day, you know, just asking myself reflective questions. And I'm not saying them out loud. You know, I'm saying them in my head, or maybe I'm sometimes journaling. And it helps you because we all have times in a day where we feel disappointed. We all have times in a day when things don't work out. I mean, I 
can't even share what I said because I'm so mortified with myself. But I said something to my daughter yesterday that came out completely wrong. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to do a lot of work to recover that. However, I will do it. But I'm like, okay, well, what can I learn from this? Okay, actually, I should have stopped before I was talking. I was getting, you know, we can always learn. So I think self-coaching can be really, really valuable. It's not as valuable as coaching. And the reason being is because we hide, you know? (laughs) When we are self-coaching, we sometimes don't do the really hard bits because they're hard. And so that's why having a coach is better than self-coaching. But self-coaching is something free. I mean, the book is, it's $14.99. I just checked. The book is $14.99. So you can buy the book and you also buy one copy and pre-order. You get a copy of, you get a mini course about Mm self-coaching. You can buy the book, you can self-coach. And then if you can afford to, you know, you can work with a coach who's going to keep you properly accountable and, you know, help dig into those things that you don't want to explore. I think as a starting point, we can all self-coach and it can help us to feel better, you know, Mm -hmm. making those decisions that, oh, okay, let's look at this or let's look at that. You know, so yes, self-coaching is that first step. And I think that it is valuable. I think, the more that we're able to recognize that we are we are able to self-coach, the more that we can work through situations because often it's about just getting that, that perspective, isn't it? And being like, mm-hmm. okay, well, what am I going to do as a result of this? Yeah. One of the things I think I love about self-coaching and I, mine is primarily through written work. I do mm. the journaling. I prefer to get it down on paper. So I, I want for like sort of real written exercises. I love yeah. that but is that it can help you to feel better in an instant. So Mm. I think that's something that once you learn some self-coaching skills, you can take, you know, having a particularly bad day or whatever it is, look at what's going on, have that awareness and that understanding and sort of, you know, sometimes maybe reframe it. And actually you can feel that shift in your energy almost instantaneously. Of course, it does not always that way. (laughs) It does not always work. Well, there's, there's, this, there's some evidence I talk about in the book that yes. when we write stuff down, because we it then feels like it's not part of us. So if we write down an emotion or a thought, we can then have distance. And because of that distance, it can help us to process better. So they've done quite a lot of research on this because unstructured writing and journaling is really, really beneficial for our mental well-being. And often we are doing kind of self-coaching when we're doing that as well, aren't we? Yeah. A question I often get asked, I don't know if you've got an answer for this or not, is, is it more beneficial to write on paper than to sort of type out your self-journaling on a computer? Do you know what? I looked at this when I was writing the book and I think, like, I personally believe that it is, but I I think I was struggling to find some evidence that suggested from studies, probably because it hasn't been studied. But I do think it's a different experience. It feels... And this is another thing that when you're on the computer, especially if you're using the computer for work, mm-hmm. it can feel like work. Whereas if you've got, you know, again, you know, I've got all the props today. If you've got a lovely journal like this, I bought this yesterday. I saw it. I have to buy it. That's yeah, a lovely yeah. gratitude journal mm-hmm. I just bought yesterday. If you have things like that that you write in, it can feel like pleasure. And yes. if your brain thinks it's pleasurable, you're yes. more likely to continue to do it. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I tend to, like self-coach journal first thing in the morning and so sit on a very comfortable sofa with the dog with my lovely cup of coffee you know sometimes I you know got some sort of uh, candle going as well but it's a real time I love and feel is you know just a sort of a moment for me 
which mm-hmm. is lovely. And I think it's really important, as you say, to create this work in a way that sort of not so that it's work, so that it's, you really do enjoy it. But yeah, I think that was really interesting. So thank you. Yeah, it's like making when you can make anything pleasurable, like your brain basically works. If it believes or anticipates that something that we do is going to be pleasurable and we're going to get a reward and we're going to get some dopamine, it will repeat that behavior. If it believes or perceives or anticipates that something's going to be negative, we might go to pain. Uh, Remember, that isn't like real pain. It can be perceived pain. Rejection can be a big one. Then we avoid it. Yes. So anything that you can do, yeah, beautiful candle, lovely coffee. Oh, yeah, like I'm a coffee fan. Lovely coffee, like anything like that that we do alongside the self coaching is going to make our brain think self coaching is good. I like. Yeah. This. Let's do more of this. Yes, buy the journal. <laughs> <laughs> I, should, I should have developed a journal too. I haven't, but there are lots of great ones around. Opportunity for that next. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Brilliant. I'm just, let me have to just have a quick look and see if I've got any other specific questions about, yeah, I know, I mean, positive psychology is a term that is sort of maybe a few people have heard about gets, I think, sort of used quite a lot. Could you tell us a little bit more about that or your perspective on positive psychology? So it's really interesting. So I studied psychology in, as part of my first degree, well, it was the majority of my first degree back in the 90s. So in the 90s, we didn't really study anything about positive psychology. So we were really looking at a lot of psychology through the lens of what is, and I'm just doing the the inverse of things like what is wrong with people, what is abnormal, they use that word. I mean, I can't stand that word. But it was very much like looking at kind of syndromes and, and things like that. And actually, Martin Seligman, who became the president of the American Psychological Association around that time, mid 90s, he said, well, let's look at something different. Like he imagined that normal traditional psychology was taking people from a negative five to a zero, mm-hmm. so, you know, fixing them, well, that anyone really needs to be fixed, but yeah, taking people from a negative five to a zero. And he said, let's look at where people are, put their bases a zero and let them build up to plus five. So it's where they're thriving. So it's very, very, very much like the traditional field of psychology. And actually the British Psychological Society has now recognized it. It took them quite a while. They've now recognized it as part of psychology. So it's still got the same thing. You're still looking at people, you're still looking at studies, you're still looking at evidence, still got the scientific method, but we're looking at what is good. Okay. So uh, what an example that I love is at school, and I don't think it's changed that much, but at school, we were always, like you were always told, like, for example, for me, like, like you have to really work on your French, like your French is really bad. Not, actually, you're really good at maths. Why don't you do more of this? Yes. And when I was a deputy head, we used to have students who are not, like, who are borderline in maths and English, mm-hmm. and we used to give them more. And, and that doesn't really work because yes. what you're doing is you're kind of, like putting all the energy on somebody bringing up the things they're not so good at and they we we don't usually enjoy what we're not good at rather than saying let's focus on your strengths let's focus on what you're really good at you're excellent at English Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting isn't it that the system in the UK is set up you know maths and English are probably two very very different skill sets aren't they yes yeah but they're set up that people have to have both of these and people feel like maybe they're not so good because maybe they were really good at English, but their maths wasn't so good or the other way around. And actually focus on your strengths. Yes. Like, yeah, you know, if you're going to be a great writer, the more you practice, 
mm-hmm. the better you're going to become. Yes. If you're going to be a great mathematician, the more you practice, the better you come. So yes. it's a very different way of looking at things. And I do think that we'd probably all be happier if we focused more on our strengths than the things that we're not so good at. Yes. And I again, I don't know if it's like, you know, being a woman of a certain age and how we were raised and brought up, but it is so difficult, I think, sometimes to even recognize our strengths, let alone focus mm. on them, because we all focus on our weaknesses. What is it we're not good at? What do we want to improve on? What do we need to improve on? Whereas actually... I think, you know, how I was brought up, it was almost like wrong to believe that you were good at anything. It was sort of like, do you know what I mean? It was sort of like, you know, stupid creatures or whatever the word, those sort of (laughs) weird phrases were. And I still think that, so I think there's probably some self-coaching work, some opportunity for some coaching there just to help us get comfortable recognizing Mm. and appreciating our strengths, let alone really sort of focusing on them. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And the more that we can, and there's some activities in the book as well around strengths, but the more that we can kind of build them into our identity, the happier we'll be as well. Because when we do things we're good at, we enjoy them. I mean, all of this stuff, like you read it and you're like, that really makes sense. And you're like, you read some of the studies and you're like, well, of course, you know, if we practice gratitude, we're going to feel happier than if we just focus on the negative. But Sometimes, you know, it all makes sense if you were looking at it with a, but our brains don't work like that, do we? So we sometimes are like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. even like, oh, yeah, when we get eight hours sleep, we feel better. Who knew? Mm-hmm. So do you, I guess on that note, I think oftentimes it's really normal to understand things almost intellectually or yes. to read things. And it's like, we're, we're almost like passively learning. It all makes sense. It feels good. And then there's actually taking that step and applying what yeah. it is that you're reading and resonates and learning. And I know that in your book, you've, you've got some actionable things to help people with that. So do you want to share a little bit more yeah. about that? Maybe? I yeah. mean, there's lots and lots. So at the end of each chapter, we've got like a little summary of kind of things to do. And remember, and we've got loads of journaling prompts or exercises. And actually section four is about integration and embedding. Because okay. as you say, it's great to read. Oh yeah, it's amazing. But actually it's doing And it's only, we don't have to, this is the other thing, we don't have to change everything. We don't have to do everything. It's about picking one thing at a time, doing it, evaluating, picking another thing. So it's about really, you know, as James Clare calls it, that compound effect of actually doing things like over time, repeating Mm -hmm. them, but actually doing them as well, which is really important. Yes. And what you remind me of there is that I guess, and it's similar again to weight, everything, I think everything like so much in weight loss applies to life and sort of vice versa. Yeah, it it, you don't need to, even you know, once you know what your goal is, maybe you don't need to achieve your goal in order to feel better. Just by taking these small changes that you're talking about that you help people with in the book, they will probably, I guess, will start to feel better pretty much right away. Yeah. Start making those changes and putting everything Definitely. in place. You don't need to get to the end of where you're headed in order to feel better. It can happen very quickly. Yeah. There is a chapter which is called something like enjoy the journey, something like that. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to read it. I'm really looking forward to that. So if everyone listening, the book's available in May. I'm not sure if we said that already or not. Book, yeah, the book's yeah. available on the 25th of May. And I'm yes. going to give you the link to put in because there are some offers, including if you buy just one copy, you yes. get a self-coaching online program that you can work through. So oh, um, get that as well. Brilliant. Sounds really good. So yeah, I'll put the link in the show notes. And is there anywhere else where people, I guess, want to find out more about you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
Claire, you know this. I am the only Ruth Kudzi. So I'm quite lucky. So my surname is K-U-D-Z-I. So if you just look for Ruth Kudzi, Instagram is a great place to connect with me, especially we've been talking about the book quite a lot on there, or you can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn too. Okay. Sounds brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else? I guess you want to say any final word? Yeah. I mean, I would just say, remember that it is always a process and it's a process that like all of us go on. So you can feel better, but just take it one step at a time. Okay, brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Ruth, for having the opportunity to have you on the podcast and catch up and chat. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you. So thank you. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and are ready to live a more intentional life, lose weight as a part of that journey and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love, then I would be honoured to have you join the Lose Weight Live Life Academy membership and coach with me. The programme offers different levels of support to suit you, including self-paced learning, twice-weekly calls, private coaching, an amazingly caring community, and lots more. Find out all the details about when and how you can join at www.thebestyou.coach forward slash coaching.